This Thacker Slate podcast is hosted by Connie Thacker and Allison Slate, two experienced attorneys who believe honesty, transparency, and knowledge are key to achieving the best legal outcomes. A variety of topics, particularly those related to sensitive family law matters, are candidly covered by Connie and Allison, other Thacker Slate attorneys, and guests in a refreshing, timely, and practical way for listeners. Thank you for uh, joining us here at the Thacker Slate podcast. I'm Connie Thacker. My business partner, Allison Slate, is here with me, and we have the privilege of having a guest with us today, Andrea Hips, who is a licensed social worker and a certified divorce coach. We're going to be talking about the divorce coaching today. She is an author of a best-selling book, The Best, Worst Time of Your Life, Four Practices to Get You Through the Pain of a Divorce which outlines the four practices you need to create. She is a regular contributor to our nation's divorce recovery conversation. She's been featured on NBC, ABC, Fox, and the CW discussing how we can do better for the sake of ourselves and our families through the divorce process. So, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. I should point out to our audience that she is appearing remotely uh, via phone for us today, and we just want to thank you for taking your time, and we want to talk to you about how you got into divorce coaching and what it is. Great. Well, thank you for having me today. Yes, I over a decade ago, I started going through my own unwanted divorce. And I found myself really deeply afraid of what the future was going to look like. And my experience of divorced families up to that point had showed me that all that I really had to look forward to was bitterness, uh, rude, dismissive remarks about my former partner, kids who who really felt pulled or depressed or poorly adjusted and and really just a, a marker on me of being divorced and and feeling less than and so I started out on a journey to end up somewhere different and so I can tell you now that I enjoy a beautiful relationship with my first husband my kids live well in their two address family and I really just did the work on myself without my former partner to get here and I've got all the same storylines that your listeners probably have. We've got lies and withholding and the other woman and inattentiveness. And still with all of that, I found this new place from which to live. And as a divorce coach, I love helping other people do the same. Well, we'd really like to know how you got to that process because most <laughs> of the people we deal with don't get to it. And sometimes we're years and years into fighting. Yeah. So how did you get there? Yes, I hear you. Well, you know, I really like to think about divorce as having two um, two sections. You have the logistical divorce and you have the emotional divorce. And it really comes down to the, the business of divorce versus the story of divorce. And your, your office obviously is expert at handling the business of divorce, but without attention, and I'm sure you both see this, the emotional story of divorce can really overtake your client's ability to handle the logistical business of divorce well. Yeah, I think we see that all the time. I think that uh, everything that you named off at the beginning are all worries that our clients share. So how do they get through that that initial shock of their spouse or their spouse asking them for a divorce? Yeah, you know, I think people can become fragile very quickly. And I have yet to work with a client who is not surprised by how much the emotional side of divorce overwhelms really all of life. And yep. and you're right when you say they're they're afraid. You you get into fight or flight 
when you get threatened. And that happens the minute you start thinking about divorce. And and people honestly end up staying there for about three years because before they enter your office, right, there's been a long internal discussion or external discussion about whether or not to come to this point. Then you get into the messy middle of the divorce and then you have to adjust to life after divorce. And so you're living in this fight or flight for a really long time. And the people who do well with that get a team around them that can help them learn strategies to manage the triggers, manage your response to your former partner, manage your fears around your children, manage your fears around your finances, and really bring the better, more reasoning side of your brain to bear on how to look, how to walk well in that. And how did you become certified in this area? Sure. I became a certified divorce coach through aptly named the Certified Divorce Coach Program. Um, I had been informally divorce coaching people really probably for the last five years um, and really had just started to collect people around me who wanted a similar, really different, more beautiful view of what a post-divorce family could look like. And so their certification sort of capped that off and, and sent me off to the races with, with a new group of clients. And what is the process that you undergo to get started with a new client? Sure. Well, you know, divorce coaching is really, in my practice, very customized because what you're going through as a person facing divorce has a very specific story that is unique to you and it sets off a lot for you. And so I work one-on-one with clients. We start by learning a lot about what your assets are in terms of who, who are you when you are at your very best and how do we bring that person to bear? How do we make sure that person is in the driver's seat as you start to walk through the unknowns of divorce? Then we really try to picture what do you want this to be looking like five or 10 years from now? That helps us to then reverse engineer how it is you need to look, act, think, and feel all all the way along the way until you get there. And so what that path looks like is I meet with people for an hour. Sometimes that's weekly. Sometimes that's every other week. And, and for your clients, the ones who are really in the middle of divorce, we tend to meet more often because the triggers at the beginning stages of divorce really have a way of shaping your your response to the triggers at the beginning of divorce really have a way of shaping the way your divorce turns out. And I think probably a lot of people walk into their attorney's office wanting something amicable and are shocked when they end up with something different. The only person that can make that difference is is you. So I'm I'm really hands-on, high touch experience to make sure you stay in the driver's seat and you are proud of the person you look at in the mirror when you think about the ways that you handled your divorce. So who is more likely to engage in divorce counseling? Is it men? Is it women? I mean, I think we get too often that we only represent women because we're a women-owned law firm. And most of our attorneys, if not all, are women. So, But that's simply not the case. So I wonder who really seeks out your assistance. You know, that's that's interesting. And my, my roster right now is about half and half. I think part of what pulls men into divorce coaching is this comfort in knowing that it's not therapy. So therapy really seeks to uncover and recover your past and and really sort out what got you to this place where coaching is really future focused, outcomes oriented, really situating yourself in the new. And I find that men are attracted to it because it helps them know how do I now relate to a potentially difficult partner? How do I make sure I don't get alienated from my kids? How do I act in ways that own my own part 
and contribute to making something better, even though what got us here really didn't, weren't, neither of us are proud of. And with women, again, it's, it's a similar um, impulse that brings them there, but I think they often are using words like overwhelmed when they walk into the, the space that we share together and, and they have been sort of racked by fear and overwhelmed by the struggle that it is going to take in them to not only uh, parent well, but live well through the transition. And, and I, I should sort of qualify that change is happening all the time in divorce and, and change is what happens outside of us, right? You, you get divorced, you make a parenting plan, you make a budget that's different and your, your roles and your routines and your relationships are shifting. Those are all the changes. Transition is different from change. And that's the thing people have a hard time with, man or woman. And transition is really the inner reorientation that it takes to incorporate all of these changes. And that's really the struggle of divorce is people do not know how to incorporate the magnitude of these changes that are really happening back to back on top of each other. Yeah, and it, it really is a significant change in your life, right? The divorce process, it, it creates so much emotional charge. And I, I tell people that all the time, that the divorce process isn't like some other um, lawsuit that you have because it comes with so much emotion. And oftentimes one party's not at the same emotional process or place as the per other person is. And I, I think it's really um, an important thing that you just mentioned was trying to figure out their psychological assets. You know, they come to us and we figure out their financial assets. We never mm -hmm. really figure out their psychological assets so they can work better to get through the process. Do you do your um, meetings uh, remotely now or do you cover places and people all over the country or how does that work for you? I do. I work virtually and I work internationally and exactly on what you talked about, just helping people act from their best self and get toward the goal they want, which most of the time I'm assuming in your office as well, they want a peaceful separation. They want to have a regulated experience of coordinating their children's lives and they just want a chance to feel at home again in the new way that life is, is going to look now. And, and the error or the problem spot happens is when you try to use your attorney as, as the, the leader of your emotional divorce. And I, I watch clients who have done that and they have paid quite a price in doing so. And those clients who are able to bring, you know, we say divorce is a team sport. People who are able to, to bring the team around them in ways that support them tend to get better and more affordable solutions to it. And so I just want to make clear for people who are listening to the podcast, as far as the financial aspect, you don't really get into that. I mean, you're not asking people to roll over to have this better new self and the end and, and be more amicable. Uh, you're working hand in hand with the attorney, correct? Absolutely. And, and I think time with your attorney operates best when you have clients that are prepared to discuss what is important, right. handle inevitable conflict, and make good decisions. Right. That does not mean that we go soft and we don't we don't fight for or stand for anything that's important for us. Instead, we start to be able to see dimension in what's important to us because it's it's just as bad to to give up the farm as it is to demand on everything your way. And so, divorce coaching is really how do I 
make clear to myself in my own reflections, what are the things that matter most to me going forward and what can I compromise on in a state of graciousness for my former partner? And I think that's really helpful because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck, stuck in the decision-making process. You know, when presented with three different options, they're not sure which one to select because there's all this emotional baggage that they're carrying and they don't have a way to process it. Absolutely. And I think because we also get stuck in this, I have to win. And, and divorce is learning how to live with the messy middle of there are going to be pieces of this where it feels like I won and there are going to be pieces of this that I feel like I lost. That language itself makes you feel stuck. And so instead we have to reframe the entire picture of divorce, which is not to win or to prevent losing, but really to put ourselves in a a future that feels supported in ways that look emotionally healthy and in ways that acknowledge that most of the time your post-divorce relationship is going to last longer than your marriage even did, especially if there's children involved. And so you only get one chance to write that story. Your kids have hundreds of times to tell it while you sit uncomfortably in the seat next to them. So how you march through that and how you really, like you said, Elson, keep your head about you and, and really you're making a lot of decisions at a time when you are very emotionally spent. To do that without support around you is really kind of dangerous. And what would be your top three tips for someone who is just going about their day, going through the weekend, and suddenly their spouse walks up to them and says, they're completely blindsided by, I want a divorce? Top three tips. First thing I would say is to breathe. Hmm. (laughs) Because there's a, there's a, absolute stopping of life that happens in that moment. I can remember that moment in my own life. It was it was as though some part of me started to die and I didn't have control over rescuing it. So just to breathe. And I think second, to engage some sort of emotional support system and to be careful about who that is. If it's a divorce coach, if it's a therapist, if it's a best friend, being able to honestly say, I'm falling apart really is a great first step. And, and I think people resist that because they're like, if I fall apart, I might, it might all go to heck. It, it really won't. You have to touch the bottom in order to come back up. And then finally, I would say, be able to start identifying what it is that this pain is indicating because there's always a trigger in that. There's always a trigger below the pain that we're feeling. So, so in the beginning stages, right, it's the shock, but it's also what am I most afraid of? And when we can look our fears directly in the eye, start to categorize them and start to realize we are in fact in control of how we address those. And we are not a victim to our partner's decision as much as we think we are. We really have the sort of starting materials to create something new with an, an unwanted section of our life, right? And that's that's really what my book is about. That's what my practice is about. It's just getting unstuck, saying yes to a life you didn't expect, dropping resistance, and really holding on to yourself in the process. And I think what you mentioned when you say, you know, you really have to be selective in the support system that you uh, ultimately decide to use. I think that's important because all too often clients will rely on family members or friends who can be toxic to the process. You know, people who say things like, well, you should be getting more or you're not winning or those types of things that are, you know, they're done out of protection for a friend, but it's probably not the best advice. Yeah. And it's all based in fear. 
And the fear is I'm not going to make it. The only way to make it is to be able to suffocate the other person's ability to make it. But the truth is the best post-divorce relationships are doing great because everybody's doing great. And I, I love to tell the story of I had a, a, a niece who at age 10 wanted to get, was going to get her own bedroom, right? So she's like, oh, I'm so excited on my 10th birthday. I get to have my own bedroom. I don't have to share with my sister anymore. Well, this was going great until the day came to move into the new bedroom. And she realized by the just by the fact of her getting a new bedroom, her sister now has her own bedroom. And this was like, wait, no, I, she needs to be punished. She needs to still suffer. I can't get my good thing and her have a good thing. And really, to me, the couples there, or the, the individuals that are really making beautiful divorces are able to sort of set aside the the impacts, negative or positive, to the other person. They're really going, what works best going forward? And how do I allow that sometimes that's going to benefit my former partner and I don't need to be concerned about that? Well, and I think the other biggest question that we so often get is that, how do you deal with a narcissist? I mean, how do you deal with someone on the other side who's not going to put in the work that you are? And can Absolutely, you can you coach yes. your way through that? You know, I get that a lot too. How do we work with high conflict people? And high conflict people are just described as people who have all or nothing thinking, unmanaged emotions, extreme behaviors, and they're great at blaming other people. Hmm. And those people will make your life hard, whether you're married to them, getting divorced from them, or uh, working with them. And and so really, the, the two things that I encourage people to do who are in relationship with high conflict people is two things. The first thing is to know their operating system. These high conflict people are very predictable. They've probably given you decades of predictable ways that you know that they're going to behave. And so save yourself and spare yourself the wasted energy of wishing they'd be different and of being surprised that they did that thing again, right? So we want to become an expert and what can we trust? I can trust that they will react in this explosive way, that they will blame me for this and that they will make a threat that they might follow through on. Okay, now how does that mean I'm now going to present this issue based on the fact that I already know the response I'm going to get? I think the problem for people who are working with high conflict people is they think they're the problem. They themselves, like if I could just say it different, if I could just position it different, if I could just be more rational toward them, then they get it. They'll never get it. And so that leads into the second part, which is really how do I protect myself for the long haul in relationship to this person? So I don't start to think I'm the crazy one. <laughs> and so we, we, I work with people on strategies to communicate in ways that are brief, informative, friendly, and firm in order to sort of say what needs to be said and move on from the armchair, you know, voting on whether or not you did it right or whether or not they responded right, you have got to really strategically get yourself in a different position to communicate with this person for the long term. And I guess that leads me to how do you communicate? I mean, a lot of clients want to have you know a separate email address because sometimes the communication can just be overwhelming. I mean, do you just disengage Absolutely. so they don't communicate or how do you compartmentalize those communications from the good aspects of your life? Yeah, I, there are there are people who will literally take your breath away with the things they choose to put in print, right, to right. your phone or to yeah. your email. And, you know, it, it's really situation by situation. There are obviously some great apps that do well to sort of cordon off those communications. Yeah, there are people who get separate numbers. There's people who block people. But ultimately, it's learning how to manage, expect, and and 
respond well to what will be an inevitable onslaught. And and that's the thing that's hard for people is they really think I'm going to get this person to change. And the truth is they're not going to change. And if they change, it's probably not going to be because of something you said. So how do you put yourself in a place to sort of safely cordon this part of your life with this person off into another section? And it's hard. I'm not going to say it's an easy process, but if you don't do it, it will bleed over into your life. That fight or flight that I said last three years for these people it can last a lifetime. If you don't learn how to separate yourself from their issues, have a strategy for how you're going to communicate and really regulate your own response to that perceived threat going for years forward. Yeah, well, that's all amazing stuff. I'm not going through a divorce, but I feel like I should be talking to you regularly about life because so much of what you've just talked about is just learning how to interact with people and not have this sense of, I always have to win and understanding your psychological assets. And so much of that we neglect uh, in our lives and just go about doing what we're doing every single day. So what you've provided here to us today has just been uh, great and very informative. So uh, how do people get a hold of you? Sure. You can reach me in a number of different ways. I have a website that is my name, andreahipsdivorcecoach.com. There's two P's and hips. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube. And if you go to my website, I offer a free uh, communication guide for how to deal with a difficult partner. And I also have that book coming out, The Best Worst Time of Your Life. So I just really want to be a voice of support to people. You know, the, the truth of the matter is pain is the invitation. And in divorce, I think we reject pain and try to push it away and try to fight back. But really, if we can accept pain for the invitation that it is, we can start working with it instead of against it and get to a better place that we want to be living in. Oh, great. Um, great comments there. Very helpful. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll be in touch and our clients will be in touch. So thank you very much. Sounds great. Thanks for letting me be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Thacker Slate podcast. If you have additional questions, do not hesitate to contact us at 616-888-3810 or visit our website, thackerslate.com, for further information.